0: Thank you, JC. Tonight, our speaker is Dr. Laurel Matson. Many of you know that Dr. Matson will be retiring this year after 13 years of service here at Bible College, and prior to that as a district superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene, prior to that as a pastor, and prior to that as an associate pastor. He has served the church faithfully through these years, and he has served this college with great distinction. Uh, in a variety of roles and one thing I can say about Laurel Matson is he's a man of God he's a man who loves God's people and has a passion for what we do here and I introduce him this way because this will probably be the last time he'll be speaking in our chapel services and many of you have been touched by his life and his ministry I think we ought to give him a good welcome tonight don't you
1: Be seated. Thank you very much. Uh, (laughs) There were a a lot of before that or prior to that, in that introduction, wasn't there? Um, He said the last prior to that, he said prior to that he was served on staff, and actually prior to that I was a pastor. Uh, I couldn't make up my mind what I was going to do with my life, and so I started out in the pastorate. And uh, then I moved to an associate position, and that was really bad. So I went back to the pastorate, and that was only slightly better. So then I moved back to the associate position, and that was great. And then I moved back to the pastorate. So, you know, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of prior to that in my life. I, I was thinking just a few moments ago that uh, Sharon and I, got married and moved to Montana for the first church that I was going to pastor uh, 49 years ago this summer. Now, all of the prior to that's that I mentioned a few minutes ago, pastored two churches, associated in another church, pastorate of another church, associated in another church, all took place within the first 10 years of our ministry. SO MY JOB LOSS RECORD IN THOSE DAYS WAS NOT TOO GOOD. MY my RESUME WAS FILLED IN THE FIRST TEN YEARS. Uh, BUT HERE I AM TONIGHT, AND AS DR. GRAVES SAID, PROBABLY WILL BE MY LAST MESSAGE IN CHAPEL AT NBC. I COME TO THIS MOMENT WITH SOME MIXED FEELINGS. Many of you know that that last year I did uh, uh, an intern, interim, not intern, I'm way past that, uh, I did an interim pastor at Eastboro Church of the Nazarene here in town, and uh, what we thought might be three, four months stretched out to seven, and uh, then we got a new pastor that you heard last night. And... About the third from the last Sunday that I was speaking and, and serving as their interim pastor, I mentioned to the congregation that I had some mixed emotions about it because in all of my years of ministry, it was the first church that I had ever been the pastor of that told me when I was going to leave. That's supposed to be a joke, gang, okay? It's the first one. I had some, I did have one church. I pastored a, a, a small rural church in Texas, that was back in the days when uh, we voted on our pastors in the Church of the Nazarene every year, and came time for the vote. I, they had been a church that had been in existence for 90 years, but they had always been an independent church until they were organized by my district superintendent and then he appointed me as the pastor of this new Nazarene church plant. And that's, not the best way to plant a church take 90 year old congregation none of them were that old but they had 90 year old history and and they were at the end of the first year when they voted on me they completely voted me out i didn't even get 50 percent of the vote and and back in those days if you got two-thirds you could you could stay If you got 50%, you could stay another year, but then you had to leave. But I didn't even get 50%. I was devastated. About Wednesday of that week, the Sunday school superintendent stopped by our house. And he came in and he said, "Uh, Pastor, I've been thinking. Um, What we did last Sunday wasn't right, was it? And I said, uh, well, I didn't think so, but I'm going to live with the results. He said, I've been thinking, could, could we vote again? So I called my district superintendent. He'd already offered me another church, told me to go down there and look it over, and he'd appoint me and so forth. I, I called him and I said, uh, they want to vote again, can they? And he said, well, I have two or three questions. Uh, do you think you're done with your work in ministry there? I said, no. He said, could they hurt you any worse than they already have? I said, no, probably not. He said, okay, that's a crazy bunch. Let them vote again. So I talked to my Sunday school superintendent, Said the DS approved, if you want to vote, vote again. He said, I'll tell you what, here's what we're going to do. Next Sunday, he said, we'll go through the service just as usual. Don't say anything about leaving because, see, the Sunday before when they had voted me out, that Sunday night in service, I said, folks, I could stay till three months down the road, but I'll be out as soon as I can get out of here. You don't want me? I'm gone. It shocked them. They apparently hadn't figured out that if they voted me out, I'd leave. So anyway, the Sunday School Superintendent said to me, now, next Sunday, don't mention you're leaving. Just just get up. We'll have the the service. And and when you get done, you get your family, and you walk out the door, and I'll take care of it. So that's exactly what I did. Uh, About 45 minutes later, his pickup pulled up into our yard, and he walked in, and he said, well, I'm glad to inform you. We voted unanimously for you to stay. I learned something in that experience that I thank God I have never forgotten. My life, my ministry, was and is in his hands. Not in the hands of anybody who is writing something on a piece of paper about what they want or don't want. Oh no, you never let go through the calm, through the storms. So now we come to tonight, 30 some years later. So what do I say? Well, actually been preparing for this uh, message for 13 years. So here it goes. And no, Jim, it's not gonna be that good. you're, You're gonna know I didn't spend 13 years on it, okay? Probably, undoubtedly, last chapel message from me. And I, I'm, I'm privileged to, to get this opportunity. JC uh, asked me some, I guess months ago now, if I would preach during chapel week in May. And I'm already scheduled to be out of town on NBC Business during that week, and so I said, nope, can't do it and he said oh we want you to preach one more time for you leave. i said sorry just not going to be able to do it so then he he sent me an email the other day and he said i've had a cancellation for thursday night can you speak then will you be in town and i said sure be glad to and i thank you jc for the honor however it did remind me when he said had a cancellation reminded me of a time when i was pastoring in wisconsin i had a good friend who's now the District Superintendent of North Carolina, Greg Mason. Uh, he was also a pastor on the district. He was our NYI president. He called me sometime in February and he said, he said, Laurel, would you consider preaching in youth camp this summer? Oh man, I was honored. I, my head began to swell up. I, I thought I thought I was past the age when young people would listen to me. I said, I'd be glad to preach in youth camp this summer. Whereupon Greg said, oh, I am so glad. He said, I've asked everybody I can think of, and everybody has turned me down. I've had two cancellations. He said, I'm so glad you're going to do it for us. So in spite of the cancellation, here I am. But I think I do have something I want to say to you from the bottom of my heart tonight. Paul writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 says and I'm reading from the NIV finally brothers rejoice aim for perfection listen to my appeal be of one mind live in peace and the God of love and peace will be with you greet one another with a holy kiss all the saints send their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. <laughs> when J.C. asked me to speak tonight, my, my immediate thought was this verse of Scripture only because I learned it years ago in the King James Version. I immediately went to the King James Version in my memory which says, Finally, my brethren, farewell. <laughs> and then I look at the New International and says, Finally, brothers, goodbye. Well, no, I've discovered there's more than one New International translation. Did you know that? Sure. The, it's, uh, the, 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 the more current one says, Finally, brothers, rejoice. So I'm saying to you, finally, brothers, farewell. And the Bible's saying, rejoice! (laughs) Be glad! He's gone! Sometimes it's very important to listen to the last words of an individual. Last week I remembered uh, what would have been my father's 114th birthday. He's not living. My father died on Friday the 13th, April the 13th, 1973. Dad's been gone for 41 years. I still miss him. I wish I had had the opportunity of hearing his final words to me. My dad died at age 73, still working on the farm. He was trying to get ready for the, for the spring harvest plant, not harvest planting season in Iowa in April. He was out working on a tractor trying to get it ready to get out into the fields as soon as the fields dried. He had to go to the house to get some parts that he had stored in my parents' bedroom. you got to understand, he was a farmer, okay? Store parts in the bedroom. My dad walked into the house, and because it was muddy outside, he asked my mom. She came out to greet him where he was, and he said, Will you go into the bedroom and get, and mentioned the part. She walked through that room, through a doorway, into the kitchen, through another doorway, into sort of a den and into their bedroom, got the part that he was looking for and walked back and he was dead on the floor. No one ever got to hear his final words. I'm told that in the... uh, in a museum in Detroit, not actually in Detroit, one of the suburbs, in the uh, Henry Ford Museum, there is a bottle that supposedly contains the final breath of Thomas Edison. Henry Ford was such a an admirer of the inventor, Thomas Edison, that he went to great lengths to, to capture the final words and then even held a, a flask up, a test tube if you will, as Edison was breathing his la- last and capped it. How many want to sign up for a trip there to Dearborn to see that? So what do i say to you having devoted uh, 13 years of my life and ministry to nbc students trying to get them trying to keep them trying to help them graduate and when they graduate trying to encourage them and do what i can to follow their careers i i thought of this passage of scripture if i could say anything to you tonight from the Bottom of my heart. And some of you are brand new. You're new students. You just moved to town. Or you just decided to come here. So you don't know anything about me. I've never, we've never talked. But if I could sit down across the coffee table at Starbucks with each of you, I think I would try to say these things as I go on to whatever God has in store for me. And incidentally if you think about it pray for me i have no idea what i'm going to do after july 1. i'm going to travel some sharon and i are going to travel don't know what god's next step is but i believe god has a next step so what i would say to you tonight is finally goodbye aim for perfection i could i could stand up here tonight and I'm not going to do it, I could could tell you stories of the last 49 years of ministry that would break your heart and then could have you laughing almost hysterically in the next moment. That is what ministry is all about. And I know that not all of you will be or are preparing to go into pastoral ministry. There are some who are going into other fields of work, but but you are here, you are preparing here, because whatever it is that you believe God has called you to do, you will see and do see as a ministry. You're preparing for ministry. Ministry can be both the most exciting and the most frustrating tasks you could ever perform when I was a district superintendent I I worked with pastors all the time and and I used to say to those pastors being a pastor or being a staff person you can either become the world's worst workaholic and never take any time for yourself or your family Or you can become the laziest person in the world because, by and large, nobody's checking up on you that much. So I would say to you tonight, whatever ministry God has called you to perform, aim for perfection. I don't know your spiritual gifts. I don't know what God has gifted you to do. But I would say to you, you need to know. You need to know what it is that God has given you the gifts and abilities and the talents to do that maybe nobody else can do quite like you can. If God has gifted you in a particular area, do not settle for being mediocre in that area. god didn't give me the gift of evangelism and and there were there were times in my ministry that that I used to struggle with that mightily and say God why why can't why can't I have the gift of evangelism so that I can tell stories like I hear all the time you know I got on an airplane sat down beside the guy and by the time we landed he was a Christian I was on my way to an evangelism conference in Oklahoma City a number of years ago, flying out of Chicago on a Sunday afternoon, and I was praying the prayer, God, if I'm going to an evangelism conference, I really need to lead the person to Christ in the seat next to me. Got on the plane, sat down, the guy sitting next to me reached down, grabbed a Sports Illustrated and opened it. It wasn't the swimsuit edition. I thought, I can talk to this guy. Began to talk with him. I got his name. It was unfamiliar to me, obviously. I said, uh, I see you're interested in sports. What do you do? He said, oh, I'm a basketball coach. Oh, man. Played four years of varsity basketball in high school. I said, where do you coach? He said, oh, I'm the head coach at Southern Nazarene University. Now, I know the, the immediate question then is, did I lead him to Christ? <laughs> That's, I, I didn't ever have the gift of evangelism. But that was not an excuse for me not to seek to win people to Jesus Christ. And I realized that as a pastor, God had given me particular gifts that I better use with excellence so that people could be won into the kingdom of Jesus Christ and those gifts I needed to excel in but I also needed to have competence in evangelism it wasn't enough to just say well I don't have the gift I can't win I get seated by a guy who's a basketball coach at a Christian University I couldn't let that be an excuse For not developing the abilities that I had to be able to be competent in that area. In your ministry, whatever it is, God will call upon you at times to perform the role of a gift that you don't have. You need to have competence in that gift. But the areas where he has gifted you don't settle for just competence. Aim for perfection. Now, I understand that this is also talking about our daily lives, our living, the way we live in Christ. We had an interesting discussion tonight in theology and therapy class that I just walked out of. The question arose what is the biblical definition of a healthy personality? I don't know that the rest of the class came to a conclusion. I did. A healthy personality, a Biblical definition is to be continually growing in Christ-likeness. There's a, there's a scripture that Paul wrote in another place that sometimes haunts me. Paul says, I want to know Christ. Is, is that the motivating, driving force of our lives. Aim for perfection. I want to know Christ. Listen to my appeal. Well, I hope you do. I'm skipping that one, okay? Be of one mind. Let me remind you that unity is not necessarily uniformity. Be of one mind means we want what's best for the kingdom of god we will you will in your ministry be leaders of people whatever your ministry is you will be leaders of people who do not always see things exactly the same way it's okay so it makes life interesting but our responsibility is Well Paul said it best, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So if I could say anything to you who are the last people that I will work with at NBC. Let me remind you, I've been thinking over here about the fact that you represent 13 years of students sitting out here tonight who are spread out all over the world. And I would encourage you, as I would have encouraged them, be of one mind and live in peace. <laughs> There's a scripture that goes, I think, along with that where, where where Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule. Sometimes we get the the notion and the idea that, that peace is sort of a... Uh, gooey sticky sentimental kind of emotion that you know just live in peace but paul said let the peace of christ rule in your minds rule take charge take over so we live in the peace of god that he has placed within us so that even in the storms of life and the struggles and the trials it was just a few years ago this month in a chapel service like this where at the conclusion of the chapel service Dr. Graves had preached that night, and had preached on divine healing. And he asked—he he'd asked ahead of time. He asked that my wife, Sharon, would come to the front and be anointed because we had just discovered a couple of weeks earlier that she had, at that time, it was completely undiagnosed. The doctor had simply told me that it was a tumor on her spinal column turned out that wasn't it but it began one of the darkest periods of our 49-year marriage i told people that that year i didn't know that spring i didn't know how to prepare for the summer it was a pelcon summer and i was scheduled to visit all eight pelcons in the u.s and i said to people i don't really know whether I should be preparing to go to Pelcon or preparing to bury my wife. It was that serious. The the doctor that we were referred to, the expert at University Hospital in Denver, the last time he saw us, after testing and testing and testing and all kinds of stuff, as he was on his way out the door of his office, where we were sitting said, I don't know what it is and I don't know how to treat it. I suggest we wait six weeks and do more tests. It's difficult in those kinds of moments to live at peace with yourself and even at peace with God, much less with others. Now my wife could be here tonight She'd be, she is, a picture of health for a person her age. Now, the reason she's not here, just, we didn't have a fight, okay? Our daughter, who lives with us, and is Dr. Graves' uh, administrative assistant, had a a fairly major surgery on Monday, and just got out of the hospital yesterday. And uh, somebody needs to be home with her, helping her just get around. So Sharon and Kathy are not here, and it's not because we had a fight. We're living at peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Live at peace. As much, Paul says in another place, as much as it is possible, live in peace with all men. In other words, it's up to you. You'd be surprised that at What small things can arise in a church, whether you're a layman or a pastor or an associate, small things that people can pick huge fights over. So I would say don't strive for uniformity. Strive for unity in the bonds of love and live at peace. For those of you who are going into pastoral or staff ministry, don't don't go in the first two or three months and change everything. Let people, first of all, know that you love them. And if you don't love them, get on your knees until you do. Live at peace. Let people know you love them. The the next thing is, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Whatever the storm, whatever the the circumstance that you may be called upon to encounter. You know, I'm I'm glad that God knew all about everything that was going to happen in my 49 years of ministry before retirement. He knew it. Three months before I moved, well, he'd do it longer than that, but at least three months before I moved to, to uh, Montana to pastor that first church when Sharon and I were standing at the altar of the Westbrook Church of the Nazarene in Indianapolis to be married, God knew everything that would happen. But you know what? <laughs> I am just as thrilled that he didn't let me know. You don't want to know what's coming. And I'm not a negative person. (laughs) I had a friend in in college who used to say her philosophy of life, which is hard to have a philosophy of life when you're 17, but she used to say her philosophy of life was any problem that you encounter is just preparing you for something worse. (laughs) Uh, Don't live that way. That's not good. God of love and peace will be with you. Do whatever God has called you to do with the best that God can make you to be. So I will say, finally, brothers, farewell. You can say, finally, brother, rejoice. Stand with me, please. Let me pray. I told JC I wasn't going to have a a song to respond, but let me pray with you all, okay? Our Heavenly Father, these men and women have committed their lives to you. You have called every one of us to this place at this time, And you are preparing all of us for future ministry, even the old guy who's going to retire. Lord, I pray that you would help us to strive for perfection, to be of one mind, to live at peace. We pray, God, that your spirit would guide and direct each one And when they are tempted to give up, help them to realize and know that it is the tempter that is suggesting they quit. And may we always understand and may we pray. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, amen.